When you're at Whole Foods without any money and you've eaten too much weed infused honey, you're in the bubble. You're in the Boulder bubble. Tech companies don't know what they're doing. A mountain town with ideas brewing. You're in the bubble. You're in the Boulder bubble. It's a pretty Hosted by Ethan and Donato. Welcome back to the Bubble Podcast, episode two. We have a great show for you today. Uh, first up, we are going to hear from Don Strasberg. He is head talent buyer at AEG Live and co-founder of Z2 Entertainment. Uh, he's in charge of essentially all major shows in the Boulder, Denver area. So uh, we talked to him at his office, caught up with him for about half an hour. And then after Don Strasberg, we're going to be chatting with Michelle Zahner from Japanese Breakfast. Uh, that was right before her date at Larimer Lounge in Denver. And then to close out the show, we have Ashley Kett playing live in the studio. We'll be catching up with her a little bit. So keep it tuned to the bubble. Uh, we have a great show for you. Before we get into this interview with Don Strasberg, for those of you who don't know, uh, I happen to be in a band named after Don Strasberg. Uh, which made this interview a little bit more fun. Um, so here comes that interview. Uh, enjoy. Hello, Don. Hey, Don. Hey, is this Don Strasberg? This <laughs> is Don Strasberg now, yeah. <laughs> how's Biz? Biz is fine. Uh, yeah, how was the show at the, uh, at the uh, Boulder Theater thing? It was good. I didn't, I didn't see you there. Um, I was there in spirit. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> yeah, there was actually, did you hear about it at all? Uh, no, I didn't hear a thing. There was a uh, this uh, this group of like old men in business suits like stumbled in, like uh -huh. at the very end of the show, and like pushed everyone in the crowd and got up to the mics and everyone everyone definitely thought it was you. Yeah. For a solid minute. And uh, are you kidding? Because no. of the fact that I wear a business suit. Well, because it was like a just an older unidentified. An old man <laughs> came in. And <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, and who was it? I don't know. I mean, that was never cleared up, but uh the security guards had to kick him out. I like I gave him the mic on stage. Um and he like started screaming stuff into the mic. <laughs> it was pretty sweet. Yeah, we thought we thought it might have been like one of your friends like defending your honor or something. <laughs> something like uh, that. No. Nah. I don't think so. Yeah. I did I did see an email trail go around between uh a bunch of managers uh, I tried to start a bidding war but you know when they figured out I actually was in the band they got they, they seemed to drift away a little bit <laughs> it was pretty funny actually yeah well we originally we wanted to make you the cover of the album but at that time we I were would worried. not have been happy about that <laughs> yeah we were worried about that we were worried about the whole thing honestly <laughs> what was the, where was that email from Ted from Chris what are we talking about today uh, we're just talking about Boulder. Talking about Boulder's okay, music so scene. Okay, so we got uh, we got Chris Tedzelli. Uh, Chris Tedzelli says I'm going to manage you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and do you know who he is? 
It's 7S management. He he wants to manage the real band or the band if you're in I, it. I, I think uh, the real band. Oh really? And then and then Michael McDonald who manages like a bunch of huge bands from Mick Management says, "I'm afraid to ask, but what does he actually do? Talk, sing, dance, beat, <laughs> <laughs> all of the above." All right. Okay, we're talking about Boulder music. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I mean, how long have you been in Boulder for? Well, I am not living in Boulder anymore. Really? Um, no, no. I had to go to the fairy tale land in the sky of Denver. Of course. Um, but uh, I moved to Boulder in about ninety one. No, it's nineteen ninety one. And um, I was there until about two thousand and nine. Oh, okay. Ish. Wow. Ish. Yeah. How did you feel like uh, Boulder changed in your time uh, living here? I mean, you know, when you are that um, engaged and just part of it day in and day out, you don't always see the changes so much. Yeah, it's pretty gradual. Um, I think it's. I think you know when you move to Denver and then come back, it just feels a little different. Mm-hmm. I left right before, right basically during, you know, when when the bottom dropped out in the market, you know, just in the, you know, the recession happened and everything. Yeah. So I think, you know, we've seen a massive change in Boulder since, you know, the recovery of the, of the recession, you know? Totally. Um, you know, the big, you know, I remember, you know, before the, what is it, the 29th Street Mall had even been built and that was just a big open plot of land for so many years you know yeah um but um i mean there was no doubt that it was getting more and more expensive um but you know i think the changes have happened more recently than than you know there was it was relatively stagnant when i was you know in my in my heyday i guess i agree yeah it's changing really fast right now like i think uh that building on pearl was the most expensive building that's ever sold over on uh, like West Pearl last year. So yeah, and I'm, and I'm sure now it's not even in the top five. Yeah, yeah, that's probably true. Do you think that uh, yeah, that's uh, like impacted Boulder's music scene? Has that impacted your guys' business? Easy too. Um, you know, I think the the the, the I think overall. The Boulder music scene, you know, like the, you know, as far as like, there's, well, first of all, when you describe music scene, it's kind of complicated, okay? Right. Because there's music scene can be defined as some as the amount of local artists playing and making, you know, music on a regular basis who live, eat, breathe in Boulder. Right. Then there's the music scene of people who just like to go and be entertained by live music, and how, what level of an epicenter is the town? <laughs> how on the cutting edge is it and bringing music to town and all that kind of stuff, you know? Yeah, yeah, totally. And, um, you know, I think to some degree, Boulder has, you know, been relatively, not stagnant is the word, but even keel when it comes to creativeness of musicians and stuff. Mm-hmm. You always have a college there. As long as you have a college, you're always going to have, you know, 18 to you know 25-year-old people there who are, in that creative mainframe, you know? Right. Uh, and they would often leave and go to San Francisco or wherever else. I think more you're seeing people just move down to Denver. Yeah, that's what I see all the time. Um, probably the biggest, I mean, not probably, there's no doubt about it. The biggest impact on Boulder has been 
the resurgence and the coming of age of Denver. Yeah. In a lot of ways, Denver became Boulder. Yeah. You yeah. know, I mean, if I think about it, when I moved to Boulder in 1990-ish, 91, whatever it was, I mean, Denver was not any place that I had any desire to be, really. You know, I mean, I didn't go to Denver. I had no need to go to Denver. Like, the epicenter of life was in Boulder. And, you know, obviously in the last 10 years, or maybe even longer, you know, Denver's become a really awesome city. Mm -hmm. And potentially that's been slightly to the detriment of Boulder, you know, because, you know, if you are millennial and you're a young, you know, ex you know, person who's, you know, vibrant, Denver's a fun place to be. Yeah. Um, you know, so I think that, uh, you know, Boulder has become a tad more, you know, uh, of a quieter place to be. You know what I mean? So it's like, well, you know, I don't want to be in the middle of it. I'm going to go to Boulder, you know. I also think, as well, Fort Collins has, you know, it, it has an impact upon the whole ecosystem. And this ecosystem we're talking about probably goes past just, you know, music. It's probably more of a, a total social ecosystem that's, you know, part cultural, of a, cultural a cultural ecosystem. body politics. Yeah. Um, but, you know, again, think about it. You know, in 1992 when we opened the Fox. Yeah. I mean, Fort Collins was, you know, was pretty much, a, you know, a, you know, an agricultural school. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, it wasn't like, you know, a lot of people were going to school at CSU, you know, from out of state. And there were some people, but it didn't have the reputation it has today. Yeah. Well, they've been cool about, they'd made that a whole arts district, I believe, Fort Collins, like the artery and whatnot. But you know, so I think that you you found this, um, you know, uh, it's it's a cheap place to live. There's a college. It's a yeah. the college has become a good college, a very good college. There's tons so, of you like know, Fort Collins has had a renaissance. You know, mm -hmm. um, that said, you know, uh, you know, I think that Boulder, on the other hand, is also gained an interesting thing that didn't exist before because Boulder's gained this intelligent maybe um, uh, you know tech kind of almost like a Silicon Valley thing yeah that's brought a lot of creative people to Boulder um, from around the country for the way of life who are you know, wanting to go to Boulder and raise families and be there and who really, who are still very much engaged in seeing music and who are part, who, who care deeply about art and, 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 uh, you know, music. So, mm -hmm. um, they just have some more money, some of them. Yeah. I would argue it's a, it's a different, uh, type of art that they're seeking and a different type of engagement with art that, you know, but again, like, you know, last night at the Boulder Theater, Pigeons playing ping pong, you know, sold out, no problem. I mean, yeah, you know, yeah, I mean, uh, that's places, I wasn't there. Place was probably going off, you know. I yeah. see the shows playing the clubs every day of the week, and, you know, people are going out like as aggressively in Boulder as they are in Denver. That's true. I have noticed, you know, uh, yeah, I have noticed a, like a little bit of a, a rivalry starting between. I grew up just outside of Boulder, and I've, I've never noticed this before, but. There's some animosity between Boulder and, and Denver music crowds, which is really interesting. 
Like me and Ethan were at a, a show at the Larimer a few weeks ago, and the performer asked the audience what they thought of Boulder, and the whole ca- like crowd just started wrecking Boulder. And she was like, uh-huh. I'm, "She was like, I'm never effing going to Boulder. Boulder sounds yeah. like it sucks." Who was it? Uh, Japanese breakfast. So, you know, that kind of music, or like you know, like the Larimer Lounge kind of community of sorts. Yeah. We even back in the day, I always had a hard time making you know, you know, more of that indie rock kind of community resonate mm-hmm. in Boulder. It's just, I fought it, you know. I remember, you know, just, I remember booking, you know, God, I mean, I'm, I could, I'm just, I'm trying to think about, like, you know, whether it was, like, Guided by Voices or, oh. you know, so many bands and, like, that, not the, you know, Yola Tango. Or, oh, my God, yeah. Know, well, Yola you know, Tango. Going, like, the Cadillac Tramps, you know, uh-huh. like, so many really great kind of more guttural bands yeah and never really had like the you know they, i never really took in boulder well i do i do um, feel like try. that area of, of denver like lodo everything um like rhino has kind of become what a lot of young people thought boulder was you know like but it wasn't but, it but never you know was. yeah no i mean you know boulder has always been or it was always more of a kind of Groovy, granola-y kind of place mm-hmm. with a weird little punk rock subterfuge. Yeah, like it's before your time, the days of Bunny Genghis and Baldo Rex and those kind of bands and the Fluid and stuff like that. But you know, you know those bands. Even there were they, there was this like, you know, there used to be this this uh, T-shirt. It was like Jerry's Dead Fish Sucks Get a Job you know <laughs> and there was a community in Boulder that like really wore it. they used to hang out at this place called Penny Lane yeah it's now a bike shop I think you know yeah um, it's probably still there you know but again it wasn't a massive community but it was you know a, a it was a, a a real one you know I think you know you, you know the you know one of the things that you see is it's just that um it's just you know the kind of music that comes through kind of also recognizes the evolution of college and what the kids like you know right totally and you know you know more hip hop you know but Boulder was always front and center on hip hop I mean we were always I mean we were some of the earliest adopters to playing to doing hip hop you know yeah playing live hip hop do you feel like that that fits for that interest like market fits on Pearl as well as the Hill. I mean, I think that. Uh, it, I mean, look. As long as you you have twenty, you know, all the kids in high school and all the kids in college, it doesn't. You know, you know, they want to go see, you know, hip hop. Totally. I'm yeah. a bunch of other music, but you know, it's like <laughs> that's you know that's definitely uh, you know <laughs> core. I mean, yeah. you know, you think about it. But I remember like when I booked Babes in Toyland, we lost money. You yeah. know, you know, when I booked, uh, oh God, uh, you know, I don't know how we could always get away with like archers of loaf. We never did great. We did okay. Yeah. You know, on the other hand, we could take a band like, you know, soul hat or Eka mouse and every day line it up, you know? So, yeah. I, uh, the difference is, is that Denver's now, like, <laughs> I remember like we used to do the muffs. You know, they never, you know, $2 shows, you know? 
face to face would do well. You know, we could mm-hmm. get that community a little bit, but um, the difference is is now the the gr- the groovy side, the granola side of Boulder essentially mm-hmm. has a massive has a larger and massive body politic in Denver. Oh, really? The groovy community is has left. Oh, there's no doubt about it. I mean, you know, you think about it, you go, um, you, know, you think about what's playing at the Ogden and all that kind of stuff, and you know, or Cervantes and all that stuff. Like there was, that outlet was never really being mined in Denver. Now Denver has a very, very vital community in that w- regard. Yeah, I, I mean, I agree with that. And the the Grateful Dead bars in Denver are a lot chiller than the ones in Boulder. <laughs> Nowadays. Uh, you know, I, I, I can't speak to the different <laughs> Grateful Dead bars, but you know what I'm saying. But, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I have I have seen Z2, like, booking more, like, indie rock bands than I've seen in the past. I mean, maybe not, but... Well, I mean, they need to be more open-minded and creative. There's no doubt about it. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, one of the big things is recently we, um, the Z2 hired a guy named Joe Gozlicheski. Okay. Go 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 I can't ever Joey G Joe G. I still can't pronounce his name. Anyway, um you know, the um he's brought a lot of heat to the Fox lately. Yeah. And it does matter. I mean, who books the venues has a absolute impact. Yeah. No, upon, I mean I I've, I've noticed it like you know, upon the you know, the quality of, of entertainment and Joe G is killing it. He's doing an amazing job, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, and the lounge, people have been really stoked about the lounge shows, too. That's all Joe G. That's his thing, you know? Oh, really? Yeah. This band, Palm, yeah, is, is playing that. there this week, and, like, everyone... I know people from Denver who are coming down to go to the lounge, you know? Which is good, you know? And it's if he keeps cool. doing better, then those shows can move up into the Fox, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty sweet. So you're a you're a big Dead fan, right? Uh, you know, I like the Grateful Dead a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> what are you? What are your favorite Dead albums? A lot of people I know like Dead just, albums. Really? Yeah. Are you? You're not into the albums? I mean, I think. I mean, most Deadheads don't normally, you know, uh, pretty much the first signature sign that then you know somebody's not a you know that steeped in the Grateful Dead would be you know they like an focusing album focusing on the recorded material. Yeah. That said. Um, you know, kind of in order of appearance of, you know, Live Dead is a masterpiece. Live Dead is so good, totally. But that's also not a studio record. Right. Um, you know, obviously Working Man's Dead and American Beauty are brilliant albums, and they will always hold the test of time. Mm-hmm. Um, what about uh, Anthem of the Sun? Are you into that one? I mean, I love Anthem, but... I'm not going to, you know, there aren't a lot of tracks from Anthem that you're going to listen to from Anthem on the, of the Sun, you know what I mean? Like listen to it now, only. I, like for instance, like China Cat Sunflower Yeah, is probably my favorite, um, it's China Cat's not an Anthem, is it? It's on um, Oxamoxa, sorry. Oh, I don't know. Um, yeah. Okay, well, so Anthem, uh, China Cat's on, on Oxamoxa. Yeah. You know, I would not normally listen to that version, you know? Uh, I wouldn't typically listen to the other one from Anthem of the Sun. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. Um, you know, it's you're gonna listen to the other one on the millions of live versions. You know, so totally. Um, but Anthem's a good record. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, I think that one's so good. It's just like it's it's difficult 
to find an entrance point into the dead. A lot of people like just kind of resent the band for the culture and then have trouble getting into the albums. Um, I mean, there is a weird thing about music, and I am just as um, to you know I'm I, I can I, I do it myself all the time personally, where you bring your um, you bring your the axe to grind with the people who like the music uh-huh. to your ear when you listen to the band. So like when I was growing up in the 80s, all the people who liked maybe what we call 80s music, whether it was like U2 or you know Joy Division or things oh, like, like that. Like, new wave. Like, I, like I didn't, if I didn't like, if those people weren't like nice to me or like whatever it was, or, or we didn't, you know, it was just, those were the cool kids and I don't want to be around <laughs> the cool kids. Who, you know, suddenly their music became uncool as well. Yeah, and it takes you a long time to get to the point where you actually you know, put on a Joy Division it. record or a Smiths record or even you two to that regard and listen to it and go wait a second you know like this is worth this is worth listening to like regardless of the culture <laughs> you know for the dead I would typically pick you know ten to twenty live right if I'm gonna turn you know I uh, a friend of mine who uh, you know became pretty deep in the Grateful Dead community. Um, you know, I gave him a hard drive of music, and you know, he's more of a kind of a, into pop music and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, and I didn't give him records, but I gave him like you know a, a bunch of shows, and I burned them, put them on a hard drive. And I didn't put Casey Jones and Alabama Getaway and Trucking on it, mm-hmm. but I definitely picked what I considered some of the best, cleanest live Grateful Dead concerts to you know for them to listen to because it's just impossible to listen and not be like whoa this is good so if you so for instance like in 1977 there was a run of dates in cornell and in buffalo and in boston yeah you know, no brainers you know totally you can go to like you know those run of shows in the 1980s and what well, they made dead set out of you know no brainers you can go to like you know in the 70 well obviously some of that stuff in like the late 60s like on the hate you know, listen to that Violet Blues and the Hate in like I think it was '69 or something. If you go listen to like some of the stuff they were doing in '74, uh, I mean, it's it's sublime. It's it's absolutely you know stone cold perfect. You know, I wouldn't send them to some like dirty show from Hartford in 1984 <laughs> where Garcia's like you know mumbling through every lyric so high on cocaine that <laughs> the band's playing at breakneck speed. Yet at the same time, for somebody like me who really likes the band. I actually enjoy that a lot because it's just so dirty and it's so like in the pocket, yeah. you know, but you know, it, it's kind of, um, you know, it's, you know, I, I guess like what would be, what would be your top wreck, like dead show for someone to check out who isn't necessarily into the culture, but wants to get into them like musically. Um, you gotta send them to Cornell and Buffalo 77. Okay. Totally. I mean, you have to. I mean, it's 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 just too easy. It's like, you know, um, what's so good about those shows? Put them on. You'll figure. You'll. I mean, you just listen. yeah. All right. Yeah, I mean, you'll listen to the Scarlet Fire in '77 in Cornell, or the Helps of Frank or the Morning Dew at it. Um, you know, Buffalo. It's just wow. Yeah. Cool. Thanks. You, you know, it's 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 pretty strong. You know, it's beyond strong. So. Um, but enough of the Grateful Dead. 
Yeah. Um, yeah. We we uh we wanted to know about your favorite local bands and where you go to see some live music. Well, right now I'd probably put the Yoppers on top of the list. They're okay. great. They're great. We have them in rotation. Uh, I'm really impressed with what they're doing. I'd be lying to you if I said I'm going to see a, a lot of local music. Right. Right. I'm not. You know, I had. I, I can't even begin to feign how many shows. You know, I was at from you know mid May until the end of September that I actually had to be at and worked that I booked. You know, when you have a family and have a son at home and all that kind of stuff, it's pretty hard when you've you know you're putting in 110 hour weeks mm-hmm. with going to the office and then going to shows when you have you know a day or two off at night to not spend time with your wife and your son you know right so has uh has live music kind of lost some of its appeal to you since you've you are surrounded by it all the time in your day um no but at the same time you know um you know like anything i mean like you know you, you you know i'm around it so much it's hard for me to like you know go out and have to find more of it where like I had to be at the XX last night it was amazing you know what I mean tonight I'm going to be at Queens of the Stone Age Mm -hmm. now whether I have to be there or not I'm psyched to be there and be watching that show for sure tomorrow night I don't have a show to cover and you know I need every I need a night off you know yeah totally you know will I be going to his golden messenger at the bluebird even though I don't have to be there yeah I'll fucking be there yeah for sure I love that band. But, you know, you know, there's also a level of, you know, I everybody has their own taste and everything, and I'm lucky enough to work with so many of the artists and so much music that I'm passionate about that, you know, I tend to be able to make it part of my, you know, responsibility to be there. Right. I mean, it's a little hard sometimes because, you know, I can't just go out and completely immerse myself in the show because somebody needs me. I have a responsibility to make sure everybody else's immersion is unabated and uninterrupted and all the things that need to happen are getting done. But right. That's, you know, so well, uh, what shows are you stoked on that you've booked recently, like in the future? Are there any in particular? Um, well, uh, I didn't book his Golden Messenger, but it's playing the Bluebird, and I got to definitely, you know, nod that one out pretty quickly yeah um I really like LCD sound system so oh, I yes. love LCD. that one at first bank um just thinking here a second uh gotta make sure I don't tell you shows that are not announced yet you know right yeah uh November <laughs> well this is coming out in like two weeks so uh, uh, yeah, I mean, it's not going to change that much. Uh, War on Drugs, no brainer. Great uh, nice. Um, the infamous String Dusters. Uh, I like this band called Spafford. Okay. <laughs> They're playing the Ogden on November 9th. A lot of your people will hate him, but I like him. Um, I hope you don't hate him, but, you know. Right on. We'll check him out. Uh, I'm kind of psyched about Grizzly Bear. Yeah. I really like this guy, uh, French Kiwi Juice, FKJ. Okay. Never heard of him. Uh, yeah, it's good. Uh, 
Strasburg is playing a show, aren't they, Donato? Somewhere. You guys are going to do better marketing, though. Um, <laughs> yeah, we... Pine, we okay, Pine Grove is a oh, yeah. I'm really interested in hey. checking out. We, uh, we interviewed them last episode. Yeah, I'm interested in checking this band out. They just... Uh, uh, did I mention his Golden Messenger? Yeah, yeah. You did. Pine Grove, um, like, blew up, and they, they're playing the Gothic, right? You must be pretty uh, stoked Pine about that. is playing... The blue. Wait. They were playing the Bluebird, but they sold it out, so they moved oh, yeah, it to yeah, the Gothic. Oh, yeah, yeah, playing the Gothic. Now, yeah, oh, yeah. it's moved up. Uh, or is it playing the Ogden, actually? Hold on. Survey says it's playing. That's a busy night, Jesus. Yeah. No, I mean, Jesus. May's always busy, I guess. But uh, War on Drugs, Pine Grove, and M. Ward all the same night. Oh, uh, that's um, crazy. That's like all the same, night. the same crowd of fans, I feel like. And they're all selling wow. great. Yeah. Uh, what else is interesting out there? Kid Billy Strings has got to play. He's a player. <laughs> um, what is on my agenda? Wait. The Gothic got bonked out of there. Hang on. Well, Don, I think this is pretty good. We're at like 30 minutes. Um, okay. Yeah, thanks so much for talking to us today. Hey, um, my pleasure. Yeah, it was, it was um, great talking to you. If you need anything, don't hesitate. Yeah, I'll let and, you know. You know um, what I say to everybody, parting words. Parting words is, is um, um, you know, we do our best here to bring everybody as just as much diverse entertainment as possible. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, you know, I may not, or the guys who work with us or girls who work with us, you know, they may love some of the music they work with and they may bring some music in because other people love it. But we do take it as our, you know, our, our you know, our, um, as an honor, I guess, and a responsibility to bring incredible music to our town. And we can get into discussing the nuances of the socio, socio, you know, cultural scene between Boulder and Fort Collins and Denver and all that. But the fact that we can have such nuanced discussions about our community yeah. just says like, man, it's really, really healthy and vibrant. Totally. True. And you know, yeah. I hope people, well, I don't know, I hope, but maybe I could give everybody a moment of pause to just stop and be like, wow. Especially for where we live in the middle of the country, where you know, you don't have like a New York or a Los Angeles where people can pop right out and down, up and down to, and you know, where you have these and, and, and I don't even claim that it's because they're more creative communities. They just have more people, you know? It's like, you got a 10, 20 million, 30 million people, 40 million people, or whatever godforsaken number it is, between, you know, Boston and Washington, D.C., inevitably, the amount of creativity coming out of that many people, you know, the odds are, if you live in New York, you're going to see cool things. Right. True. And the same thing for the West Coast. You know, think about L.A. and San Francisco and all that. And then you think about where we are in Denver to get the level and the caliber of music we have that's absolutely equivalent to New York, L.A., Chicago, et cetera, where we're out here just is a testament to the community that everybody here has created and why other people want to come and, you know, join us, which is pretty sweet. Totally. Totally. Totally agree. Well, yeah, we appreciate that as well. So, thank you for that. 
Um, oh, thank you. So, all right, guys, take it easy. Cool, cool. Yeah, yeah you, you too. too. Have a good one. Up next, we have a little interview uh, with Japanese Breakfast, uh, Michelle Zahner, which we did live at uh, the Larimer Lounge on the back porch. Um, right before their very controversial show. Yeah. Well, why was it controversial, Donato? It was, it was an extremely controversial show, and I think it was maybe partially directed towards us. There was animosity. Yeah. So we interviewed Michelle Zahner, and obviously she knew what the purpose of the interview was. It's for a podcast about Boulder. And um, she's on stage, and she asks the audience, like, what do you guys think of Boulder? And the entire audience just, like, starts wrecking Boulder. And what did she say? She, like... Well, she was... I think she genuinely didn't know. She yeah. she was like, is it, like, the Brooklyn to your Manhattan? Mm. And then she's like... And that really guys... made everyone in, yeah. in like... Larimer mad yeah because they were like no we're like the Brooklyn like yeah Boulder. they were like I guess they think Boulder's shit. all those Denverites yeah and then at the end of the show she like right well so that so okay so the audience all just starts wrecking Boulder and she like she's like all right screw Boulder I'm never going to that effing city that city sucks like w- with an x she was like sucks yeah and then and then she ends the show by going boulder have a good night yeah and everyone cheered yeah everyone cheered and um it's wild yeah and we aren't the only people i know to have had some sort of beef with michelle's honor of japanese breakfast who else um yeah i have a friend in new orleans who uh his name is jack long he opened for japanese breakfast he's in like a speed punk band down there and uh when they opened for them i guess michelle and the band was just really rude to him so really yeah, so right before um, he, he like, introduced their band, he was like, enjoy Canadian lunch up next. <laughs> that being said, she was very pleasant. In the she interview. was really nice to she us. She was very nice. And I don't know 100% that she knew that the podcast <laughs> was about Boulder specifically. I think that may be a little unfair, but it was still, Regardless. It was still whack, whack energy at the Larimer Lounge. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Very odd. Yeah, we felt bad coming home to Boulder. Yeah. Anyway... Yep, interview with Michelle Zahner of Japanese Breakfast coming up. You listen to the bubble. All right, we're here with Michelle Zahner. Hello, everyone. Hi. Uh, <laughs> hey, there, there it is. We're also here with Avi and Donato. Hey. Hey. And this is for the bubble podcast. It's going to be a great time. Uh, Michelle is front woman of Japanese Breakfast. And we're out here at the Larimer Lounge on the back patio. Beautiful evening. Um, how has your stay been in Denver so far? Um, it's been about two hours long, <laughs> yeah. and I have been only to this club, and I sound checked, and I did some stretches earlier, and I haven't really done anything around here. Do you like do yoga a lot on the No, road? I've only done yoga. I really want everyone to know that I don't do yoga, <laughs> usually. Right. Michelle's honor does yoga every day on the road. I do not do yoga every day on the road. I've started this for three days because my back I like strained my back somehow and I like I haven't done any kind of physical activity for the last like 10 years of my life probably and sitting in the car for like nine hours a day and lifting um, gear that's like my weight and 
uh, playing shows every day for the last year and a half has taken its toll finally. And That's so crazy. Uh, I went to a chiropractor and a masseuse who were both like, yeah, you should probably come here twice a week. And I was like, haha, that's hilarious. I have to go to another city now. So they gave me some stretches to try to, to fix it. But I feel like a real asshole because I haven't been able to lift anything for a week and oh, yeah. I have to just like watch the guys bring stuff in and I'm generally someone who has like a lot of bravado about that kind of thing too I've like carried this box AC30 which is probably 80 pounds yeah. and I weigh 105 pounds for like five years I've just like carried it everywhere and like I really like showing up to the venue and yeah. showing people that I can carry it up a case of stairs or a flight of stairs but now those days are over Sure. It's kind of a nice excuse, though, it seems like. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm really embarrassed that I'm doing yoga, but it is, I think it's helping, so I have right. to do that now. Like, what else do you do on the road to, I guess, like, stay sane or, like, comfortable? Because it seems pretty intense, as you said, like, driving all day. Yeah, um, I tried to, I have a lot of projects that I like to work on. Lately I've been doing a lot of video editing in the car, which is really a fun activity for me. And it's like, it takes such a long time uh, and it's engaging. So it's easy to, it's an easy thing to do in the car. Um, and I guess like attempting to eat well and uh, drinking a lot of fluids. I actually, I also, my, my partner plays guitar in the band. So cool. that has really helped in the last couple of months to, that I don't feel like I'm, like a jerk Definitely. leaving all the time I wanted to talk about food mostly because your Instagram is like a lot of food yeah <laughs> are you like a foodie would you say uh yeah I feel like that term is like used a, a lot term. by dads um <laughs> but so I'm like hesitant to yeah to to claim that but I think that um for me I think that food has always been a really special experience for me being half Asian because I was exposed to a lot of foods growing up and uh, it's just a comforting thing for me and it's also something that's like kind of always uh, sort of unattainable on tour or like trying to eat well on tour is like really difficult and yeah. so I really appreciate it when I, I get to eat good food on tour because a lot of times you just have to make do with the, with the chipotles and the totally. gas station food. <laughs> what has been the best food on the so far? Um, there's this sushi restaurant in Eugene that's really amazing, oh, really? where okay. I'm from, um, in Eugene, Oregon. There's this Japanese guy named Taro who runs a really small sushi restaurant um, called Mame, and it's so good, and it fits about maybe like 20 people or 15 people in, in the restaurant, and he just like cares so much about the quality of his, his food and stuff. Um, I, I love going to Atlanta and visiting um, the DeKalb Farmer's Market, and usually my friend Diana and Deborah and I will like make something from the amazing produce that's in Atlanta. Nice. And what else? Oysters in Vancouver are really good, oh, yeah. and, and in the Bay, the Bay has really good food. So what's what's the worst thing you had? Um, this Cadoba burrito I had today it was Cadoba so sucks. horrible. Um, I yeah, it was so sad too because I was like talking to the burrito maker and I was like, oh wow, that's a really neat burrito because usually when you go to Chipotle it's like this giant like diaper full of like yeah. <laughs> like just exploding everywhere yeah. and then I was like, oh that that looks I haven't been to Cadoba in a while that looks like really nice, yeah. compact. 
but then it just tasted like shit, and it was really sad. Yeah. Did, did you get queso? I got the queso, and I immediately regretted it. Yeah, that's what happened. Yeah. yeah. I got it, I was like, because I love queso, I'm a big queso fan, but um, I don't, like, I just, as soon as I got when you ask me if I want queso, I'm going to say yes. Sure. But then I saw it put on, then I immediately was like, no. I find that it throws off the equilibrium of the burrito. Everything about this burrito today was really <laughs> gross. We're getting deep into the burrito. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, how about, let's talk about that video game that you made. I tried playing it today. I'm not a video game guy. I didn't get very far, but I thought it was really cool that you made it. Thank you. Yeah. How did that come about? How long did that take? Um, well, it, it kind of started, um, maybe the initial idea came kind of two years ago when um, Peter Bradley, who plays guitar in the band, is also my husband, he made, um, he had this program called Muse Score, and he was like making MIDI versions of all of the songs on Psychopomp, and they had this like really fun kind of like 8-bit music kind of feel, and so we decided it'd be good to do it again. We released it as like a bonus cassette that came with the, the deluxe vinyl copy thing, and so we did it again for um, Soft Sounds from Another Planet, and our label was like, you know, you should really make a video game because they knew that I'm a big video game nerd and I grew up playing like SNES when I was like five years old. RPG games with my dad um, was like a huge bonding thing for us. And so they're like, you know, you should really showcase this. This is really special. It sounds really fun. And so they paired me with this woman, Elaine Fath, who um, helped me design the game and, and was like a really essential part in, in making the game. And I kind of sort of came up with the, the general concept and, and what I wanted to happen. And we started working on it in February and kind of just went back and forth about character design and what should happen and, you know, what kind of Easter eggs I wanted to be in there. And I kind of wanted it to be like sort of like um, Secret of Mana meets um, Chrono Trigger meets like like a Scott Pilgrim game. Okay, I've heard of Scott Pilgrim. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of like Call of Duty, right? It's like Call no, of Duty. not at all. <laughs> <laughs> um, how was so this year? You toured with Slow Dive, yeah, and Alex G, yeah, and Porches. Not like this calendar year, uh, but like in the last yeah, year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What yeah. was that like? That's a crazy amount of really, really good musicians to have toured with. Yeah, I think that. Um, I just have good taste, and so I yeah, just, sure, yeah. I just, um, those were musicians that I loved and either asked or begged to open for or um, had been asked to, to open for and, and was like, definitely yes. Um, and I think we also just got really lucky uh, that, that we were, yeah, we got really great opening slots this last year and it, it felt really amazing to be able to just all of like all three of those bands are so different and, and so great in their own way so it was really fun to just learn a lot from the, their ways of, of doing things yeah totally um were you working on this new record like while touring also seems like that'd be pretty hectic um we took i think october off we were off most of october last year i think and that was like when we just were in the studio we had like a month where we really like sat with it and worked on it. And how long did it take you to write all these new songs? I generally write pretty quickly and I also was reusing a lot of sort of old demos and so I think that having that kind of perspective when you reuse demos is, is really uh, 
a good strategy for me anyway because um, a lot of the times those songs didn't really amount to much or they you know production and arrangement has so much um, to do with just elevating a song so I think that if initial composition is good and it's stuck with you all those years that there's something in there to, to kind of reap uh, it's good to, to revisit those songs so I had maybe like five songs that I reworked for this record and I also just generally like to write really intuitively and quickly so I had a month in the studio and it was just Craig and I uh, and we work really well together and so you know he'd be like copying vocals and I'd be writing another song and then he'd be done copying vocals and we'd start putting down another song so we'd work really really quickly and um, yeah that was sort of the process. I've read somewhere that this is somewhat of like a concept album I heard the word sci-fi musical. Yeah. Correct. Yeah, yeah. It kind of started as a sci-fi musical originally. The the other thing was this: the song "Machinist" existed long ago. We've been playing that song live for over a year. Pretty much, like as soon as we started playing live, we were playing "Machinist" um, because uh, maybe a year ago um, there was this blog that commissioned me to write two songs and record them and then they were just going to give me two thousand dollars and it's like great that's so much money i'm really excited <laughs> and then i wrote the song and they didn't want them so i just had these songs and machinist was one of them and at the time i you know we had finished psychopomp and it was just such a personal record and i thought that it'd be really good to like write something that had some more distance you know and i was really tired of doing interviews where i was just talking about my mom dying all the time and yeah. it was really intense and so I felt like I, if I wrote, you know, like a sci-fi musical, then it was, I was very well guarded, you know, for those kinds of questions, and and it would be um, a lot easier on me, and it just seemed really like a fun, fun task, and I like concept records, and I, I thought it would be fun. So then I had Machinist, and then when I went in to, you know, write this whole musical about this woman who falls in love with a robot, and then kind of realizes it's a love that can't be and you know enlist in the Mars One project to get away from that situation when I thought about the other songs that I would have to write for that it was just all of a sudden really daunting and I think I still had so much to say about my personal life too and a lot of stuff that I wanted to work through that felt more important to me so I think it was kind of like a failed concept album right. in a way um, but a lot of those themes that I was already thinking about for that record um, the musical record that never will be uh, I think kind of infused itself in, in something a little bit more real and authentic to, to what I personally wanted to work through and, and say. Cool. So has it been easier touring this record, uh, given the fact that it is a little less personal? Or like, is there really any way to remove yourself? Yeah, I mean, I think there are a couple of songs on this record that are, are, are you know, really moving to me and, and sometimes really challenging to sing when I was in Eugene uh, and we were sound checking till death it was really emotional for me to to play that kind of song um, but yeah I think that it's it's hard to say what makes um, touring easier I think that this record is still tremendously personal to me and, and it, it deals with a lot of stuff but it's a little bit more um, I think it just views like pain and grief uh, a little bit more objectively than um, Psychopomp did. Uh, when I wrote Psychopomp, my mom had passed away literally two months before and I, all of my feelings were incredibly raw and um, really confused. And I think with Soft Sounds, I, I had a more clear idea of just how I wanted to move forward with my life and how I wanted to heal and, and um, I could look at what happened to me in a way that didn't feel like like 
life slight against me. Uh, sure, it was yeah. more of just like, this is what happens in the world and it happens to so many people and how do I like decide to not make it make me a bad person? For sure. Well, we hope that you keep healing <laughs> in this way because we appreciate the music. That Thank you. you. Make, yeah. Uh, we'll let you get back to awesome. your pre-show ritual. Cool, thank Thanks you. Thanks for chatting with us. Yeah, no problem. Really nice nice yeah, meeting you guys. Yeah, for sure. We are in the Bubble Studios at Bubble Corp with Ashley Kett. She's going to play a couple songs for us, three songs. Without further ado, take it away, Ashley. Hello. This song's called Slipping. <laughs> I think I like you very much 
That was awesome. <laughs> Do you want to play another one and then we'll chat for a little bit? Yeah, that sounds cool. great. Um, this next one's called Call Me, and it is actually coming out as a single in a few weeks. <laughs>
Whoa. That was really sick. Both those songs are very, very sick. How are you doing, Ashley Kett? I'm pretty good. I woke up at 8 a.m., went to class, um, didn't turn in my project. That wasn't very good. But other than that, I feel great. I heard that you misplaced your laptop. I misplaced it in my backpack. You in found my car, it? And then it was stolen from me. Oh. That yeah, sucks. Did you try and do like find my Apple device? Boy, did I. Oh, man. <laughs> to no avail. Do you have your music backed up somewhere? Nope. But I have some of them. I have the most important songs backed up, but the rest of everything is gone. So, looks like I've got to start from scratch. That's a terrible. Bit. Yeah. Those but it, I I mean, I was at a point where I had so much stuff on my computer and just like files and like songs that I worked on for like one hour that I was keeping and like things like that that now it's all gone and it's not like I needed it. It's just nice to be like, "Oh, look at all the stuff I worked on." But now I just totally. have to make more. So, those songs were going to be on a new record, right? Uh, one of them. Yes, the second one, Call Me, is going to be on an EP that is called Call Me. Um, that will be out in a few months, but that single itself will be out November 22nd. Cool. So I've heard people describe you as the Amy Winehouse of Mac DeMarco. <laughs> uh, what do you think of that? Um, oh, I, think, I think it's accurate. I, it's funny, but I wouldn't complain. Of, that's a great description. So you own it. I own it. I gladly accept that title. Cool. Um, do you want to... So we talked about possibly doing like a word association game. Do you think now would be an appropriate <laughs> juncture for that? Um, I could do it. Okay. Tr I could try my best. I'll start. Light switch. Or, hold on. <laughs> <laughs> I have to start with... Wait, is light switch one word, two words? It's probably you two words. It, I think. Um, all right. Cabinets can always provide shelter for documents. All right, let's do another one. <laughs> the 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 document. <laughs> 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 which I Wait, which I or R? I Put In The Cabinet <laughs> Will <laughs> Will Be Forever Sheltered <laughs> <laughs> Okay, one more? Um, if you're up for it okay. I'm, Hey, I'm up, I'm up for anything uh, Me too <laughs> Pants typically are used in correctly. No, I call foul. <laughs> I call foul. <laughs> I call foul. All right, but uh, cool. Let's. Do you want to play one more song and then we'll uh, we'll call it good? Yeah. Sweet. Um, okay, I'll play song um okay i'll play a song fitting for the moment 
Um, it's called Bye Bye Baby. Sweet. Goodbye. Bye. <laughs> of Mac DeMarco live on the bubble 
thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Do you have any gigs coming up that you would like to push? I do. Cool. Um, I'm playing at Globe Hall on November 29th. 29th. On November 29th, Globe Hall with some awesome supporting bands, including Terremoto, Shapiro, and The Corner Girls. It's going to be really fun. That's cool. Those bands are really cool. So... <laughs> Thank you so much for for promoting that show. And I hear Terremoto is the next big thing in the Denver DIY slash Globe Hall Larimer Lounge Lost Lake Lounge scene. So I actually heard that too. Yeah, yeah. They're really cool. Really, really cool guys. So yeah, let's wrap it up. Thanks so much for Thank uh, you. for playing. That's the end of episode two from the bubble. Catch us next month with some unnamed guests that we don't quite know who they are yet as always we want to thank george bangs for all of our artwork we want to thank james calvet for our theme song we want to thank don strasberg michelle zahner and ashley kett for being on the show you can go like us on facebook it is called the bubble and our logo is a big pink bubble and it says the bubble so tune in next month uh you're listening to the bubble from radio 1190 I'm Ethan. I'm Donato. Have a great one. <laughs>